0: All right, welcome to In Development Podcast. Um, this is actually our first on-camera podcast. Uh, how are you feeling, Ryan?
1: Nervous, yeah.
0: yeah. Me, me too, yeah. yeah. Three, three, four cameras around the room is intimidating, yeah. But anyways, nevertheless, this, uh, this is still a podcast dedicated to city builders, shapers, city dwellers, and that uh, it's for Edmontonians that care about driving change towards people-centered communities. In um, in development, um, if you've listened to our previous episodes, we've also talked about how Canadian cities develop in and up. Um, we are presented by Idea, the Infill Development in Edmonton Association. It's a nonprofit education advocacy group, bringing together like-minded people working to shape our city.
1: Yeah, so on today's episode, it's obviously a little bit different, but we have three great guests that we hope are gonna uh, carry the conversation, and I think they're going to. Um, We've got Tegan Martin-Drysdale. She's the president of Red Brick Real Estate. Um, She's one of the founding members of Idea, which is really exciting. She was uh, the very first guest of our podcast uh, like a year and a half ago, so it's very exciting to see her back and and do this kind of live. Um, Our second guest is Chelsea Jerzak. She's the president of Situate, which we're gonna tell you about in a couple of minutes here. And she's uh, the outgoing um, president of IDEA, so she's now the past president of IDEA. Um, And lastly, we have Mariah Samji. She's currently enjoying being a mom, but uh, formerly the executive director of IDEA. So we're very happy to have her on as well. Haven't talked to her in a while. Um, For reference, we've actually had all three of these guests on before. Um, So Tegan was the very first episode. Chelsea was in two episodes. already 8 and 18 so she's a recurring character already and then Mariah was uh, her episode was 29 so if you want to go back and listen to those we cover a little bit of the same topics but this is obviously a very different and very special uh, episode and one more plug for all three of them because they're fantastic all three of them Funny enough, are actually former top twenty, top forty under forty Edmonton members. Yeah, so Tagan in twenty ten, Chelsea in twenty twenty, and then Mariah in twenty twenty two. So they're going to carry this episode quite a bit here. So our special episode today is actually sponsored by one of our guests today, uh, Situate. So Situate's here to make infill and urban redevelopment processes easier. They do everything from you know standard and custom rezonings, uh, subdivision applications, development permits, and all those pesky development. Heels that you have to deal with as a developer and a builder. Situate is a one-stop shop for municipal land use strategy and approvals. Um, they're a team, they're a small team, team of three, but they're passionate about building a fantastic city and they're well-versed in all of the facets involved in um, infield redevelopment, brownfield redevelopment projects. So what, they, uh, what their job is, is to set the tone and set the strategy right at the start, uh, handle all the details on your behalf, and stay on top of everything to make sure that the process goes very smooth and easy the rest of the way.
0: Situate also has a team of, t- of experts with technical knowledge and a holistic understanding to navigate due diligence processes and land approval processes. And if you're looking for a team that you can trust to make these approval processes a lot easier, Situate is the answer. Um, You can definitely get in touch with them and find out how Situate can help you with your infill and your urban redevelopment projects, both large and small with their website, situateinc.ca.
1: so today's episode is obviously very different uh we're in person for one um but there's a reason for it it's our 10th year anniversary here at idea so um it's hard to believe it started 10 years ago at this point and we get the uh luxury and i guess the opportunity to be involved in this so that's why we're doing this um Mm -hmm. so we're live in a very beautiful development it's uh it was built by one of the um people that are going to be on the interview right away here. Um, but yeah, we're pretty excited to be here. This is um, obviously very nerve-wracking to be in front of this many cameras in a room full of this many people, but yeah, I'm kind of excited. How are you feeling?
0: Me too. I'm really excited to talk to the to these three wonderful uh, individuals who I felt, um, you know, they led the way, they paved the way for infill, and it's very exciting to hear their stories and their experiences.
1: Do you think we're going to be here for the 20th anniversary?
0: Well, I, I was hoping I was hoping to be here.
1: <laughs> I don't mean like on this earth. I just mean like, do you feel like we're still going to be involved with Idea in ten more years? I think so. Yeah. I
0: think there's some really. I think I, I think it could grow bigger too, Ryan. Yeah.
1: We're going to be yeah. filming uh, what episode six hundred at that point in twenty years?
0: Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. probably.
1: They, we're both going to have ten-year-old children. It's going to be kind of weird.
0: It is going to be weird, Not and true. they're going to be listening, and then they're going to start they're actually gonna be criticizing me.
1: Yeah, I don't think my daughter's ever gonna watch this. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, now let's get into the episode and talk to three titans of industry. Yeah, so on today's episode, is obviously a little bit different. You can see our faces, which is kind of insane, and I'm very aware of how many cameras are on me right now. How, would, how do you feel?
0: Yes, it's very intimidating.
1: Yeah, but we're here with three titans of the infill industry, which I'm very excited about. Uh, rather than us introducing you, like we always do, I feel like it's best if you introduce yourselves, uh, your role with idea, and maybe the industry in general, um, and then your favorite thing about the space that we're in, because all three of you are kind of acutely familiar with it. So I want to start with Tegan, though.
2: Okay. Um, so I'm my name's Tegan. I started Red Brick Real Estate Services 10 years ago. I, um, I'm one of the founding members of IDEA. I'm passionate about city building. I'm passionate about sustainability. I'm passionate about community. And IDEA was born out of um, those passions and finding like-minded people that kind of see the same vision that we wanted to create for the city. So um, I'm excited to be here to talk about, you know, 10 years of building a, an organization and, and yeah.
1: Yeah, it's cool. And you built this building that we're sitting in, which is a great space, with your own two hands. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty close. Yes, <laughs> I mean it, it was a long process. It started in two thousand fifteen, and we finished it in twenty twenty two. So that was a long a long process for us. I had one child in the middle of all that, um, and yeah, like it's exciting to be in it now and just be able to enjoy all of that hard work and, and labor and literally eating food in the restaurant below and getting to see these sweets and how beautifully furnished they are. And yeah, it's I'm very proud of this building.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Chelsea, how about you?
2: Hi,
3: Ryan. Well, my name is Chelsea and I I started my company, Situate, in 2016. We focus on infill and urban redevelopment uh, approvals and strategies. So soon after starting the company, I joined the board of IDEA in 2017. And I've been on the board in various roles ever since then. So most recently, until last week, actually, I was the president. Now I'm proud to report that I was voted in as a past president. So I guess my record was all right. Um, so glad to continue to you know, be involved with the organization and to celebrate the achievements over the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, cool. And favorite thing about the space? Have you been downstairs for lunch?
3: I, in fact, have not been downstairs for lunch. So that's on my to-do list for this exact room that we're in. I love that there's a fireplace in it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I don't think we can see it on the camera, but there's actually a wood-burning stove over there, which is kind of cool. So I love that. How about you, Mariah?
4: Uh, So my name is Mariah Samji. I am the past executive director for Idea uh, on a break, hanging out with a really cool uh, little girl. And just very fortunate to be a part of this conversation with these two uh, wonderful, passionate, strong, talented women. Uh, And you two are great too. (laughs) Um, And my favorite thing about the space. uh, So I, I think we've all driven and walked around and biked around Edmonton. Uh, There's a lot of beige and this building has really beautiful black elements to it. And I love that. I feel like it gives it a little cachet, a great design to it. Um, I love when buildings use different colors.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I noticed you changed your LinkedIn, uh, job title.
4: Yes, at yeah. some point in the past bit I did. That's right. Yeah, well, someone has, Uh, well, Nicholas is, is doing a fantastic job being the executive director right now, and so I wanted to make space for that, uh, and I, I am doing a different job right now. I am full-time tending to the needs of someone who cannot hold her head up. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, for sure, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, yeah, well, that's why she changed it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, a lot of our conversation today is going to be about IDEA, obviously, because all of, three of you have had pretty significant roles. So, I mean, your involvement with IDEA, Tegan, um, I want to start with you and talk a little bit about, I, I mean, we met, we talked about it on episode one. You're the first ever guest on this IDEA podcast, so it's like kind of surreal to have you back here uh, almost 40 episodes later, talking about almost the same thing, but um, your involvement with idea at the start, maybe just briefly talk about why you saw a need for idea. And then we can talk a little bit about the the transition uh, to where you're at now with the organization.
2: Sure. Um, So being a a doer and a builder of things, um, 10 years ago, I, I was in Edmonton, looking at building a family here, staying here, working here, and was seeing a whole bunch of developments. And I was working with a developer and working on projects and just seeing decisions being made that I was like, hmm, like, maybe I would make a little bit of a different decision there. And, and wanting to, to be in a position where I could understand the role of what it takes to build a building like this, Uh, you know, for right from the beginning of it being a vacant land or piece of land to being a finished building and all the the pieces that went through that. And so while working for a developer, I thought, hmm, maybe I want to do this myself. So I did it with when I was had my first child. It was, it was the perfect break in the career to pause and, and think differently. And so starting the company, I immediately felt very I'm in a way alone because you know you're starting out, you know, I, I did have a partner at the time, but we knew we would be doing things that were different that maybe weren't the norm in the city. And I know to do these types of things, you need a tribe around you and, and support around you. So I started immediately trying to look for those allies and those partners and, and supporters. And I was finding them everywhere except it felt like in my own industry. Like I, I would go to industry events and it was just a totally different vibe, different value set. And it doesn't mean that it was wrong or anything, it was just different. And I realized like if I was gonna build differently and think differently and provide different product, I needed to create a lightning rod of sorts to bring all of those like-minded people together. And they were in abundance. It's just, I needed to create that that vehicle or that framework where they would know to come and then contribute to this bigger vision. And there was a lot of conversations that happened at that time. Uh, you know, I, I never had ever thought that I would be involved in starting uh, Uh, not-for-profit from scratch Uh, it was a new world for me um, and understanding all of the stuff that goes into that governance stuff creating a board from scratch Uh, we were talking about this earlier you know everybody joins the the board at the same time and so how do you build in continuity and growth and mentorship because you don't want to everyone leaving at the same time and how do you nurture that next gen of leadership through the, through the board? Uh, we very quickly got inundated. As soon as we decided we're gonna start this thing and we're going to stake a flag and say, we are the association that represents the voice for infill in the city, uh, we got inundated, which was a good thing at the time, but being a group of volunteers, that was very overwhelming. So it wasn't long before we were realizing we really needed to scale this up and the demand was Bigger than we ever anticipated.
1: Yeah. And obviously it was there because you were in a data it's and, and now you're sitting next to your contingency plan and your continuity, right? Your your your, your succession planning, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you did you all overlap at the same time?
2: Uh, yes. We did. Varying, varying stages, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um Mariah and I, well, I think we talked in the first episode about how we uh, met. And right away it was, I remember going to the board. I I remember going to the board and saying, we need to put our money where our mouth is. Here's my check. We need to hire this this person. She's amazing. Uh, She's everything I could hope for, for that first employee. And and thankfully the board, I mean, it was a leap of faith for Mariah to come into a new role and uh, volunteer board uh, for job security, but it was also a leap of faith for us. To, you know, for hiring her and and trying to immediately think about we need to keep this sustainable and the cash flow going and stuff like that. And, uh, but we took that leap of faith, all of us together, and it worked out. And yeah, and then Chelsea and I, we we were working together because we were both in the industry, and she was one of those like minded, you know, we we, uh, got along right away and we had shared visions. But we were just playing different roles, and so that was a natural fit for us to work together. And then, when it was appropriate, she joined the board as well. So,
1: did you know she was going to be president when you first met her? Did she have those vibes?
2: I had hoped that um, the the role of president would go to like go to future women. Like, I think being a woman developer, I knew that what the next the next generation of leaders. Would there would be a lot of strong men? I did have hopes that there would also be strong women that would come forward, and Chelsea's definitely that so.
1: for sure. So Mariah, when uh, we we kind of know your origin story with Idea, but uh, I mean, did you think you did you think that you were going to be with the organization six years and uh, hit the ten year anniversary when you started?
4: Oh, I feel very fortunate to be in this place. Um, I think when we started, we were trying everything to see what our members needed, what the community needed, what the city needed, uh, and there were so many different things to tackle, and so bringing together people to be able to tackle those was like a key thing, uh, and thankfully people entrusted me to help build that community uh, and bring out like-minded people together, and so yeah, I can't, a part of me can't believe they're here, uh, and a part of me can't see it any other way. And I know I've been fortunate enough to go to conferences outside of Edmonton and see the success of Edmonton versus other North American cities. And we've hit these infill targets because of IDEA, because of the people who started it, the people who make it continue to happen, uh, and the new staff that are amazing and do all the wonderful
3: things.
1: Yeah, and then Chelsea, did you know that you wanted to be president right from day one, or what was your uh, kind of origin story?
3: No, definitely not. So when I started, um, I I would say my involvement with idea in the very, very beginning was indirect in that I think I was one of the folks that inundated Tegan and team with um, zoning bylaw text amendments specifically. So I worked at the time in the zoning bylaw unit at the city of Edmonton. And so this was like, you know the early 2010s was the beginning of infill really or you know the beginning of infill as a movement anyway so uh, i sometimes i call it the dawn of infill and at the time we were working still on subdivision of 50-foot lots that was the very very start of it all and so we were working on these text amendments and they were quite controversial at the time And there was no voice at the table uh, to talk, you know, to talk about infill and to say, this is really important. We need this and we need the regulations to be written this way and not that way. And as soon as idea formed, like immediately the email chain, they were were going out. I mean, it was it was instantaneous. So. that was my indirect involvement for a few years, and then as soon as as soon as I was able to join the board, basically I did that. And so Tegan is a pretty incredible slash intimidating woman, so I never saw myself, you know, <laughs> taking over from her. Um, but I, I'm really glad it sort of evolved. Honestly, I um, I was on the board for a long time before before I felt ready to tackle the role, and I I'm glad that I'm glad that I did. It's been fun.
0: Did you get a lot of pushback when that first, um, well, you know, trying to introduce the idea of infill into Edmonton, because because yeah, you were talking about you know, you're focusing on subdividing these fifty foot lots, and no one looked at lots that way, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah, it was. I mean, it was challenging. I think you remember how challenging it was.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so the voices at that time around development were suburban builders like they there were associations but it was all suburban builders because that was the predominant form of building at that time and then the community and there was that gap so of like no infill and there wasn't a lot of infill development happening the little bit that there was it wasn't the best quality it wasn't really thoughtful to the needs of the community um, it wasn't very creative in terms of designs. I don't want to like, you know, paint it too, too badly, but it, there, there was a little bit of info going, but they, they were, it wasn't, wasn't as like, I guess, prominent as it is now. And so there was no advocacy for it and there was no work around how do we do it better, which was the gap. And so there was a lot of examples of really bad infill or bad situations and those just kept per, perpetuating forward as the story of infill. And I think what we brought to the table was a new story of it doesn't have to be that way. It can be better. It can improve the fabric of the community. It can add additional amenities. It can add housing solutions. It can add density. It can it can also be a positive impact as well. And so that's that, that was the work that we really started to do. And the one thing that was unique about the association when we started to set up the governance was I made, I insisted on all stakeholders having a seat at the table. So it not just being industry specific because that's what a lot of the other groups were looking like, they were specific and siloed to their, their position as a stakeholder. And I thought it was very important to have builders and developers and community and suppliers and urban planners and like Mm -hmm. have a whole bunch of different roles being represented in a a balanced way so you can actually have those conversations at that table instead of in front of city council at a public hearing where you just come with these opposing thoughts Uh, and that I think has been one of the, the key parts to providing really thoughtful good policy work uh, forward, because we we were able to hear. Okay, what are the concerns of the community? What are the concerns from from these different viewpoints? And then bring forward solutions that already consider those.
4: Yeah, I think that's one of the strengths of ideas. Like, let's talk about the how instead of the the barriers. Yeah. So, really, a solution based organization. And a story I haven't shared with either of you yes. is back when fifty foot lots were being considered. Uh, I was sitting at public hearing. When I was a student, because I was told by uh, many of our teachers, go and learn, go into the action. And sitting next to Dr. Summers, and they were talking about lot splitting. And I was like, why isn't anyone going up and saying that this is important from, like, a younger person's perspective that wants to live in these areas? And I went and spoke very uneloquently as a student, saying that we need this because I wanted to see different housing forms. I didn't know how at the time to get there. Uh, But I was lucky enough that there was a group working on the how, uh, and before I knew why it was so necessary.
1: Yeah, I'm curious how that like need for idea you identified one really early, but then how did it evolve when you came on board? Like, what is the need for idea at this point versus when Tegan started it ten years ago?
3: That's a really good question and i think the needs have changed and evolved over time a lot so where we started is you know we're quite we're quite far from there now i think we've really progressed so it went from really small scale residential now increasingly to medium scale to commercial and mixed use Uh, we also started tackling infrastructure issues which underpin all of that more um, more dense forms of development so where we are where we're at right now and the issues that we're lobbying on now um, have, you know, been a natural evolution, but have evolved quite significantly, I would say, since since the start. What do you two think? Yeah, well, I think if you
4: don't have a focus on how, you don't have a group pushing for that, then it never happens. So it's great to see that it's continuing in that way. I think another really great benefit to idea is the community that that you were talking about at the beginning. You felt like There was no one else in the room in the development community that was thinking and saying the same things you were, but maybe felt that way. There wasn't an organized way for them to meet and connect. Uh, And I think that's something that IDEA does really well, is connect other people so that you can work together or you can build together or you can learn from one another. Um, And we've seen that play out in uh, our tours, our education programs, uh, the symposium, the gala that's coming up. There's so many opportunities now for people to meet and connect with each other that didn't exist before.
1: Yeah. And uh, I I liked what Tegan said at the start, the voices at the table, even our most recent board featured uh, like a wide cross section of different members, right? Like there was a community member, there's construction, planning, like everyone still feels represented kind of 10 years later. So that has to feel a little bit good that your kind of mandate at the start is still continuing on 10 years later. Yeah.
2: Yes. No, definitely. Like I, I intentionally stepped aside. I think it was around the fifth year. Um, mostly because I knew that if, if an organization like this was going to be sustainable and grow beyond the vision of the original founders, the founders have to step away. Like, cause in a lot of ways you can limit the growth of something if you're just at the table, cause everybody will defer to you and look to you to, to guide and stuff. And you want, Like, it's got to be bigger and more than the individuals that start something. And so the stepping away and seeing and watching how it's evolving and growing, it's like, you know, it's it's now going beyond anything that our original group imagined that it could. And we always said, uh, idea will exist for as long as it needs to. And the point that it doesn't is when the ideas that, ideas putting forward are so mainstream and it's just what we do as building a city that there's no longer a need to advocate for it and that's the point where idea like is out you know outdone itself in a way and I don't know if that point will be re- reached in my lifetime or or not but uh, that's you know that's when you know you've made a success is when you become irrelevant
1: yeah so was it hard stepping away
2: um, no, no, because I felt very much like it was in good hands. Mariah had been brought in at that stage. We had a good, strong board. Uh, I think, you know, there might always be a worry that, like, is there something further down the road where you haven't thought of in the go- governance side of all the, of all the plan Bs or Cs? Like, you know, something might happen that causes... The governance to struggle or 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 stumble, uh, I have not seen that. I've just seen the board get better and stronger and more sophisticated and more recognized. And honestly, like I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of the work that everybody's done. It's fantastic.
1: Chelsea and Mariah, you left for uh, because you had to, or you stepped away because you had to. Your term was up, and you uh, had a different job coming up. So was it was it hard to step away and? in your roles? Like, would you have stayed on for president for uh, multiple terms? And I know you're not stepping away, but...
3: Yeah, it's a good question. I I think, um, I think the answer is no. I feel, I feel like it's really important to make, make a high energy contribution, you know, and I had the energy to do that. And, um, and I feel that if you do that really effectively, or for myself, if I do that really effectively, then, you know, I... I, I'm emptied out a little bit like I gave I gave what I could give and I feel very similar to Tagan that the organization is in great hands I mean we have an interim ED that's fantastic uh, we have a really strong board our new president I have complete faith in so it's really it's actually very heartening very satisfying and quite fulfilling to be able to leave something and know that it's going to keep growing and know that it's going to you know keep unfolding and evolving Yeah,
4: I think I I feel very similar. Uh, I think that's why we all get along (laughs) so well, Um, is we find people we trust uh, to take over. Uh, I see that in Nicholas and Megan. They're a dream team and have all the skills I had plus more and all the skills I wish I had. Uh, And there's two of them and they're very effective. Uh, And I get the newsletters and listen to the podcast and see the social media. The AGM was super successful. The board looks fantastic. Um, And so I'm very excited to see what they do next uh, because that's also one of the great things about IDEA. Everyone's passionate about building a great city, and everyone has different experiences and knowledge. And so, when you put that all together, like magic happens.
0: Maybe I'll just pivot back because you know, you talked a lot about um, you know, I think I still sense this from ideas the community building aspect. Um, I think that that's quite strong, and wouldn't mind discussing sort of the culture within idea, um, you know, what how maybe that culture has evolved when you started Hagen and now to where, you know, you are when you, um, when it, when it was, when you were the exec director, Mariah, like has that, do you find that the culture has maybe, you know, went to different, um, went to different avenues of, of like, of, of community building, you know, with some of, particularly in some of the events, the social events with the, you know, site tours, I think, you know, did that happen? Could that have happened ten years ago? Because there wasn't enough vibrant infill developments that were happening or, that were happening. You know, so you couldn't you couldn't pick that out. But now that there's so much of these really interesting um, developments that are going on, you could actually could actually bring that up, and you can actually put that in there. Yeah, I think uh, the the DNA
2: of the initial imprint of what was started. I did feel like when Mariah was brought on board that she embodied that, like, wholeheartedly, and she took that and moved forward with it, and, like, if the, the core of what idea is and what it's about has always been central to what, who she is and what she's about, so was, when she was in her role um, the, the culture of idea was, was in really good hands and well protected because I felt like she was almost an extension of, of me and everything that I would have done if I had been in that role. She just, it was like she was made for it. Um, and then when it's at the size, when, when she was stepping away and, and new employees were coming in, now the organization's at a size where if, if at any point there was like the, the tours or the events or the, 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 um, you know, the meetings and stuff where the DNA was shifting, there's enough members around the table that would say, Hey, this feels different than the association we were part of two or three years ago. Like there's enough checks and balances now in the system that you can add more people to it. And it, you know, that you have confidence, it's all going to stay on course and keep growing. When I stepped away, all that, I didn't step away from the vision. I doubled down on it. I just went into the building mode of the vision. So I needed to go and create examples of what we were talking about. And that was going to take my heart and soul. And same with what Chelsea's doing in her role. She's you know, helping these projects get going and taking all of the principles that Idea talks about and actually putting into practice. And so we're out actually creating like the buildings like this that show exactly what was talked about at those roundtables by all the different stakeholders of what good development looks like. We've created example after example after example of it. And then that becomes what the city looks and feels like when you get enough of those in a concentrated area that starts to become what what Edmonton is or what the city fabric is and it feels right because it's what it was built by the industry by the community in partnership with the municipality so the 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 initial imprints and DNA have now like spread and the ripple effect has been so great that it would take a big upset and big force and a big group coming in taking it totally off its path and there would be enough people saying whoa 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 this is not this is not what it was intended for. I think there's enough of that in the in in the system to, to protect it from that.
4: Yeah, I think just building off of what Tegan said, um, I remember vividly the first time that I got to meet some of the board members. Uh, so Tegan and I went out for coffee. We talked about the MNO, lot splitting, council, all the things. And then she was like, hey, there's a co-working space upstairs would you like to come meet Louie? and i was like i would love to meet louis yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then i got to meet ashley and the and kevin and everyone they were just passionate about creating spaces that worked for all different types of edmontonians uh and i remember i remember it was like building um high quality infill was one of our our things that we were working towards one of our mandates and then now it's evolved to building um this shoot now, building spaces for people. Uh, it was one that we came up with in one of our strategic planning sessions. Driving change toward people-centered communities. Thank you. I'm blaming that on baby brain. <laughs> um, and so it's 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 different, but it's not very different. It's it's the same. It's the same passion. It's the same people. It's the same sp- creating those same type of places. Um, but. It's just being more inclusive and growing and snowballing and being wonderful and creating spaces like we're in today.
0: What do you What do you think, Chelsea? How do you think culture has what What do you think the culture a behind idea is about?
3: What I really love about the culture of idea is what I would call the entrepreneurial spirit. So, and what that means to me is creative problem solving. So I think what entrepreneurs are really good at is sort of figuring out what the problem is and then figuring out what to do about it and finding a solution for it. And I think, I think that when idea, when there's a group of idea folks in the room, the energy is different. Like the energy is really positive. It's upbeat. It's a group that's focused on solving problems, not just necessarily talking about the problems, but really figuring out a solution. And I think that's really unique about this group. And I think it's very, very refreshing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah goes back to the the comment of how, right? Yeah, yeah. Getting out there, you actually do the work, you know, um, building, setting the example, leading by example. Yeah. Do you guys have any ever favorite infill projects?
3: (laughs) So Um, yeah, my answer to this question is what I'm really proud of with regard to infill projects is pushing the envelope with regard to standard zones. So I think that we've kind of tried to um, knock the door down in some respects when it comes to using standard zones in ways that, they were, you know, designed or um, amended to be able to do, but no one was quite sure yet if they could, you know, if we could use an RA7 zone without doing a DC2, if we could use an RA8 zone without, you know, writing a custom zone. Um, Today, we had a commercial mixed business zone, a CB3 rezoning passed with no debate from council. And I think that's just such a huge milestone for us. Um, as a city and a city, city builders, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a zone that allows for a lot, there's a lot of flexibility, there's a lot of development potential within it. And so for council to say, yeah, you know, we think that's appropriate. We think that's an appropriate amount of, you know, flexibility. Um, We understand what we're going to get here. And we think that it's the right thing. Um, That's, you know, we've really worked on that for a long time to create that culture or to shift that culture. So I'm really proud of
1: that. Mm -hmm.
2: I can't pick a favorite one. I Each one has a special place in my heart because it all it all uh, connects to some much bigger visions that I'm not even sure I've really shared even with you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, like I like each each project that I've done here at Edmonton uh, has a a bigger purpose to it. So the housing pieces now I'm working at a national level around some really great stuff uh, in the First Nations housing world and it's all feeding into and influencing that work. So I look at like Blatchford for instance here you know 10 years ago that was like you know that that was the mission was to show really high quality sustainable housing and how that can set a standard for communities across uh, Canada Um, but now I've taken that to the next level in the in the First Nations housing piece. And I'm unbelievably excited about that. Uh, Then there's also like this project uh, is transformative for these small communities. And honestly, if you took this building and put it into any community in Edmonton, but also any community in Alberta, it would just fit. Like it has this this design and, and fabric to it that is that small town feel, but also urban feel at the same time. And I feel like we just hit the, like, we just found that perfect intersection. Uh, so like, I've thought about this, this project and scaling it up. It can't get scaled down anymore. This is probably the smallest footprint you could do. But I've thought about how this could influence some really good uh, building in other areas of the province. And then the Alberta Block Building, uh, which You know, you mentioned the co-working space. That was a hundred-year-old building that did a complete retrofit and energy retrofit of, which I don't talk about enough. It's extremely innovative here in Western Canada for the amount of energy efficiency uh, we were able to obtain in that building. And uh, we created a really creative space. It incubated idea. It incubated so many amazing, innovative thinkers over the last, uh, we opened it up in twenty. 2015 so that's eight years now Uh, it's incubated so many innovative products and businesses and companies and and I think helped add to the culture of idea too because the the members like not all of the members of idea were in were working in that space but some of them and some of the more key board members so they could collaborate in between board meetings and, and touch base with each other and the meetings could be held there. And and so I, I realize now as we're talking, like it really created that safe space for people to come together. And the idea is to I have big, big plans to expand that across Alberta to foster more innovative entrepreneurship and and keep doing stuff like this. Like just rinse and repeat and keep growing it. So
0: mm-hmm. Mariah?
4: So um, I'm gonna be selfish and talk about a project I got to work on because it helped influence other projects. So what I heard from some of uh, Chelsea's clients, my DM members from Tegan uh, was that, uh, I I know I'll have a few people email me or text me after, but hydrants were uh, (laughs) were very, uh, a huge barrier for development. And they would come at a a cost of $40,000 or $400,000, or $3 million, and it didn't matter the scale of the project. It could be four units, it could be 60 units, it could be whatever. Uh, didn't You wouldn't know what you were going to get hit with for an infrastructure cost. Uh, and really late into the game, you'd already bought the land, you'd already designed the building, already started talking to the community, starting to build that community trust, and already started to go to administration, negotiate with them of how to build this building, and all of a sudden, EPCOR comes and it's like, here's a, here's a bill. And you're like, oh, no, this is most likely unpayable. Yeah. <laughs> and so they came, a bunch of people came to IDEA and was like, what can we do about this? And so uh, we knocked on a counselor's door. Uh, thank you to Councillor Scott McKean, who took the call. And I said, you want missing middle? This is a huge barrier. Let's figure out how to deal with it. And from that conversation, we had created such a great relationship with Core Water. Um, mm-hmm. the, the team under Betty was freaking phenomenal. They were wonderful. And we created a cost share program that the first year, over 30 projects applied to be a part of, and only seven were awarded uh, funding for. And it's a public uh, infrastructure need. Multiple, multiple people use the hydrant if something starts burning, not just the person that pays for it gets to use it, mm-hmm. everyone needs it. Um, and so we saw it as, how do we as a public pay for it? And I, of course saw it the same way, which was great. And from that, we created a long-term funding for it. Uh, and we started also collecting data, which was a huge gap in the problem. How many projects uh, needed it? What was our capacity around the city? Uh, and what we ultimately found out is, A lot of the pipes around Edmonton are way overbuilt. Mm. and So we were asking people to build more pipes, very expensive, big pipes that we didn't actually need most of the time. Uh, And EPCOR worked with the city, uh, with Cameron uh, Bardas from Fire Rescue to figure that out. And now we're in a place where we're not tearing up neighborhoods for pipes we don't need. Uh, and we're allowing missing middle projects, this style of project yeah. that we're in today, projects that Chelsea works on, churches, cultural centers, uh, pharmacies, all of that to be able to move forward to create those communities that we all love to walk around in. We all love to go buy
2: poppy seed dishes,
4: yeah. Danishes that are so delicious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: That was actually in the beginning stages, those were the battles we were up against was there was a misperception that density meant you were taking like there was no capacity in the system that that, you know, if you were going up. That the current system, you would have to add sufficient uh, pipes or capacity to it to add add that additional building, and there was no data at the time to point and say, no, actually, when these neighborhoods were built in the 1950s, the families were a lot bigger, and the amount of consumption and, and the appliances you used were way less e- way way less efficient. Yeah, so yeah. We didn't have low flow faucets and showers and toilets. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's refreshing to hear that the data collection has happened and that what our gut was telling us was correct because we started to to say this to the infrastructure managers is our gut is telling us that that there is sufficient capacity not not everywhere but the majority of the city has sufficient capacity to handle this additional infill.
1: All three of you seem scrappy. Is that a fair way to describe you?
2: (laughs) I don't think any one of us takes
4: no for an answer. Very (laughs) A quality of scrappy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Did it, did it feel very combative at the start?
4: Uh, (laughs) I think when, so one of the best things I think idea did was hire someone Mm -hmm. because when you're like, any small business owner. My parents are small business owners. Uh, They've done a chocolate shop and a boutique and uh, a daycare. And when you're running up against issues, uh, like trying to get in a water inspection, when you're opening up a boutique and nobody can go to the washroom, it's so stressful and it's all you think about. And you've poured your life savings into it. And it's every email and you can't get a hold of the right person. So when you're starting an organization and your business is trying to build great things in the city and that's what the city wants uh, and they don't always know why they, they can't have it or they're not getting it. Everyone in the room feels extra passionate because the city wants it to happen, the community wants great places and the people building it will literally are are putting it all on the line staying up nights losing sleep over it and so when you have somebody who's the staff who can take just one step back throw some sugar with the medicine and say come on we're all gonna take this together (laughs) then it allows for those conversations to open up and so uh i like i don't know what i said to help you and trust me or the rest of the board <laughs> but i i really appreciate the investment you guys made in me not just the job but all the mentorship yeah. yeah
1: yeah it seemed like a tipping point a little bit for sure yeah taking a step away from and just focusing on what you, what you do best and let somebody else kind of do that um it, it seems like it's changed You you touched on earlier it's Kind of a movement infill now right and now we're at the point where you are getting a, you know a cb3 that allows for a massive development approved without any kind of um debated council so do you feel like kind of uh universally the conversation has changed around infill
3: i think it has changed and i think it continues to change um I think we've come a long way. Uh, we're a lot more comfortable with infill now. Infill still, for many people, means a skinny house. So I think um, I think we still need to broaden the definition of infill to mean any kind of urban redevelopment um, and get people more comfortable with that. But certainly, yeah, certainly we have changed. We also have a council right now that was elected on a very pro-infill, pro-city plan sort of um uh, Uh, platforms. So I think everyone who is on council right now, or many, many of the councillors who have been elected in this last round are, um, you know, showing a lot of fortitude with regard to rezoning decisions, uh, policy decisions that we haven't, you know, we haven't seen before. So I don't know that we'll always have this window of opportunity in front of us. I think, you know, I I tell whoever will listen to me that, you know, if you're thinking of doing land development, if you're thinking of rezoning, now is, now is a really good time. Like it's a good window. You know, we don't know what will happen in the next uh, election cycle. So, so I think we have an opportunity in front of us and, um, and yeah, there's a lot that we can do together while we do.
1: Yeah. And Mariah, you're you have a degree in education. You're big on education. So do you feel like uh, IDEA helped kind of, uh, I'm going to say it, drag the community along with us as well and get us to a point? <laughs> Taken talked about a lot of uh, really poor examples previously and now obviously we have a lot more. So do you feel like there's more trust in the community now?
4: Well, I think one of the best things that IDEA did uh, was create an education program that had an expedited uh, process attached to it. Um, so when I started with IDEA, I went around and interviewed all the board members to figure out what they were interested in, all the members that I could get in contact with, some past members, and asked them, what's some of the pinch points? Help me learn as much as I can about this organization, about this industry, um, so that I can be effective. And everyone said a very similar thing. <laughs> they said, uh, there's inconsistency in the process of getting a development done. People at the city ask for different things. Uh, It creates timelines to be excruciatingly long. And if you go back and look at the numbers, it would take a very small infill project, about 90 days to get approved, uh, business days. And it would take uh, a very similar project that was on the outskirts of the city, one to max 15 days. And that is a lot of carrying costs, a lot of extra stress, a lot of unknowns. And so I went to the city and I said, hey, uh, I see that if you build on the outside of the city, uh, there's an expedited timeline that you could get. Uh, and also the timelines are just faster. And I was like, I want that. <laughs> Can we do that for landfill? Uh And they were like, no. <laughs> They're like, it's more complicated. You have trees and neighbors and infrastructure and more rules. And I'm like, okay, but it seems like there's lessons to be learned everywhere. Like... Uh, you're saying to me that sometimes applications don't come inconsistent. Uh, so what if I train people to be consistent? And the community was frustrated that uh, things weren't happening consistent for them. Their experience was, uh, wasn't always the same. And so we're like, well, you could train people on how to communicate with the community and industry, believe it or not, Sometimes they're nervous to go into a community. They want to build a cool project. And when you walk up and knock on someone's door and there you're met with frustration, it can be a hard conversation. So giving people training on how to have that conversation was really helpful. And then council would hear a lot about uh, construction issues. And so we said, why don't we train people on how to build in mature communities? And so we created an education program. Uh, It's a five-day training program that you can do online now, which is great. That teaches you all about how to build infill. Uh, And we did it, first of all, Tegan and I had to sell the the courses to a lot of people. Uh, That was a lot of conversations uh, and grateful to everyone who uh, helped us shape the program into what it is today. Um, And then we had to build the program. And one of the great things that we did when we were building the program, is Chelsea and I talked about like how do we make sure the right people are helping create the course content and so we uh we interviewed people we had 40 different authors for all the content and that was community people industry people like architects builders designers uh it was all over the map because we wanted it to be as comprehensive as possible. And then we are also in partnership with the city of Edmonton. So development officers and different departments at the city got to look at it too. And the Edmonton Federation of Community Leagues got to look at it too. Uh, and this five-day program, if you go through it, you also get a, a carrot at the end. Um, not only do you get all these great learnings, but you, you get faster timelines. And so it created this win-win-win scenario where administration was getting complete applications, council was getting great builders, community was getting great communicators, and industry was getting not 90 days anymore. (laughs) We're not as close as what I would like us to be, but way more significant. We're down to 20 days, which is night and day difference, and now we're going through the zoning bylaw renewal, uh, and we'll need a lot of training around that, and so there's another opportunity for IDEA to work with the community and with the City of Edmonton on another iteration of what that program looks like.
2: And also just prior to implementing this education program through IDEA, I had been asked to come in by administration actually to do some training of their staff around what the role of developer was like, what what we actually went through to get a project onto their desk. Because I also remember as a, when I was working as an engineer, I would get a project thinking that's the beginning of the project, I not realize the months and or sometimes even years of work uh, by the developer and the investors and the lenders um, <clears throat> to make it a project before it even landed and I touched it. And that was uh, a huge eye opener even for me to see A, how much interest there was from other stakeholders and learning what does it take to get a project developed. But it did really lay down like, okay, like, you know, this this can be a thing. This can be taught as a course and have modules and 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 really make the industry better. And I think that's honestly where idea could go too is is creating lighter courses for the other stakeholders and even stakeholders that don't live in Edmonton, like stakeholders in in other regions that want to learn the basics
3: well absolutely just as an update
2: to this one I think it's a great
3: example of this entrepreneurial spirit of we have a problem let's find a solution and this was like a beautiful example of that Um, in the last few months Ryan you know this the online the course has gone online now so it's being delivered um, virtually and I think you're proctoring it once a month is that right And right now it's we're getting uh, people taking this course and it's generating a lot of revenue for us. And this is really something that we had hoped for. I think this was the dream in the beginning that this could be a revenue stream, a sustainable revenue stream for idea. and it's you know that that vision is very much has come to fruition. So I think that's a testament to everyone's work in this room, in fact. so
1: yeah, and the funny thing is, um, since it's gone online, we've had almost the majority have been community members or realtors, or like it hasn't been builders, which I think is a testament to where it's at. So,
2: that's your next generation of builders. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're right about that. Yeah.
4: Well, and it shows that the community is just as interested in infill as industry is. Like, it should be. yeah, we're all in the city building pro- pro- uh, process together. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: totally selfishly asking. <laughs> I was wondering if they could, uh, I think that Builders program, could it be scaled to a larger development? Because right now I think it only focuses, or have you guys talked talked about it or gone? Maybe? Ryan Sorry. and
4: I have taken it away, and Chelsea and I have all talked about it, uh, a lot, yeah. um, and I think that there's a huge need and opportunity, mm-hmm. kind of why I plug the Zoning Bylaw Renewal, uh, which is a fantastic project that's going to create so many opportunities for Edmonton to become the city that it it is and it's growing into, um, but with that, there's growing pains, and so... Uh, each new zone in the Zoning by encompasses more development types. Uh, and Chelsea can talk a lot about it. She, she's our, our zoning expert. Um, and we need to train people on what does that mean from a community perspective, from an industry perspective. What can you build? What can you not build? Uh, and with any new thing, there will be long timelines. And so if we can create a process that also streamlines things and teaches people I, I, we've seen the success in the, in the program. Uh, complaints dropped by 50% in the neighborhoods. Uh, we've seen timelines reduced. We've seen great projects move forward. Uh, and so I think there is and there should be an opportunity for more types of development to be included in that
0: program. Great. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally. Totally asking because uh, yeah, a lot of the work I do is is in, uh, it's more it's creating more density. But I'd love to see exactly a lot more different uh, different um, you know building types that are in in our mature neighborhoods and in these neighborhoods. Like it just it totally like bringing more people into into the core. I think is so important. Bringing more people into these like you know just exactly we were sitting how sitting out here feels like you're not really at Edmonton. Yeah, I think there should be more people experiencing that. You know, it's very, yeah, it's very, I'm optimistic about that. Yeah,
4: Yeah, and if you're saying that you're interested in taking a course like that and that you think that the partnership with the City of Edmonton and IDEA should continue, I am sure that your local councillor would love to hear that.
0: Okay. Yes.
4: So their emails are on the City of Edmonton website.
0: Got it. Email
4: email our current mayor who's fabulous
3: and your your local councillor.
0: Okay, I will get on that.
3: I will add as well, I mean, I think a lot of the people going through the courses, because there's two components, there's the courses, and then there's the expedited permitting process. And a lot of people taking the courses are folks that are not going to be applying for an expedited permit, but actually just want to soak in the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, um, there's definitely opportunity for that. And the things that you're learning in the courses are definitely applicable, not just to that one small scale permit type, but definitely to a broader sort of variety of development typologies as well. Uh, So I'll plug it in that way uh, as well, (laughs) but definitely opportunity for expansion too. Awesome.
1: we we love our pilot programs in this city and sometimes pilot programs stretch a lot longer than they should. And I think we're at that point now where we can expand the program, so.
0: Yeah, and I think think our market is also very receptive to new, fresh ideas too. So, yeah. So um, I just want to pivot the conversation right now uh, and talk actually about the future of IDEA. Um, Where do you guys hope to see IDEA go in the future? Who would like to go
4: first? Do you want to go this way, that way, or that way, this way?
3: I can start. Uh, yeah, I, I see us expanding and exporting. So uh, we right now, we have a our strategic plan is called 3 in 2023, which is our plan to expand our staff complement. So have an ED, have a communications and events coordinator, as well as have a policy coordinator. So we're well on track, uh, we're on our way to achieving that. And then I think the other thing is exporting our knowledge. I think we have so much to share, this group. Um, so so much expertise when it comes to infill and urban redevelopment at this point. So I think there's a lot that we can share with other municipalities throughout Canada, maybe throughout you know North America. And I, I, I'm really excited to see where we go uh, with regard to exporting those skills in the next 10 years.
0: Nice. Megan? Uh,
2: just in line with that, that was... One of those, like, you know, you, when you start something, you dream, like, in, in the immediate sense of, like, what are the immediate goals we can accomplish? But then you have that, like, that that pie in the sky, you know, if, if all of this was wildly successful, what could it look like? And that was exactly what that looked like 10 years ago was, can you imagine if we ever got so successful that we were able to have other... Ideas in other cities uh, and and groups like that, and create a network across North America, export our knowledge, and and really um, you know grow the vision way beyond Edmonton. Uh, and yeah, thinking back to those conversations ten years ago, it felt like one of those like we hope to get there someday, but we're not hanging our hat on it. But that would be really cool. And so to hear. You know, what Chelsea just said literally gives me goosebumps because, like, I could never have imagined we'd be here in 10 years.
4: Yeah, and I can tell you there is a demand for it uh, because last year alone I think I got calls from Ontario, BC, Manitoba asking how can we do an idea here? Can you help us uh, grow? Can you help us start this? Because what we've seen... Edmonton able be able to do um, he, hitting all the targets having more community support than other municipalities have been able to get so far um, they see it and they're like
0: well, I want it maybe we could create a course for this maybe we can create a course for this <laughs> exactly yeah yeah start off big yeah it <laughs> has big net first yeah yeah and what um what are you guys most excited about um you know, with the future, where the future idea, where the future of IDEA is going.
4: I think my, my answer will be very different than your two answers, so I'm going to kick it off and then you two can go. Uh, As the staff for IDEA, I am so excited to see more staff, more people to hang out with, more people to bounce ideas off of, more people to bring different skill sets. Uh, There's so many opportunities and to be able to deliver on more of them, you just need more. You need yeah. more people. Uh, and so the fact that we were able to get to two oh, by the time I left was so fantastic. And I know this board will achieve the three, and this staff will achieve the three. Uh, and yeah, who knows? Then the next, when we hit the 20 year reunion, there could be a whole team of 20 ITS <laughs> staff
3: <laughs> 20 by 20. Yeah. 20. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I'm, I'm just excited to see it grow more and like, you know, moving to other cities. I'm already taking my experience and knowledge to other areas of the province, uh, and I just know as a community builder, we just need more community. Like, ultimately, when whenever I've seen the struggles and, and issues that we've faced both from a macro and micro level in the last few years my i ultimately always come down to we need more community around us like our whether it's like at a family level or or a broader community level we need to build really strong resilient communities and that's what i'm super excited about in in the future and i think idea plays a big part in that
3: tell me Well, in fact my answer is really similar to Mariah's answer um, because I think as our staff grows and our capacity grows our board uh, speaking as a board member our board can move from being really a working board to a governance board and I think with that strategic oversight that will really help us to to expand and export so that's what I'd like to see.
0: This ties in really nicely to my next question which is um, if you know, if you were to predict what Idea looks like in the 20th anniversary, um, what do you foresee? I think I think Mariah kind of talked a bit about the the stat, like the more bodies into these events, but you know, uh, I think it also ties into what sort of you see Edmonton development looking like in the future, right? What does it, what does the ideal Edmonton look like for Idea? Thank you complete communities right Mm -hmm. the driving change to
4: complete communities having places yeah Yeah. having choice places to go uh in all times of the day amenities that serve people's needs not just the fun amenities like spaces we're in today but some of the more like necessary amenities as you age you want a pharmacy close when you're young you want a good quality school close there's so many opportunities that only exist once we allow for the zoning and for the infrastructure and the guidelines to all permit uh, that type of city and IDEA is the one pushing for that change. So 20 staff by 20 years and all the great infrastructure and policy changes that go
2: along with it. I, I would say, you know, Resiliency is when you can withstand, you know, the ups and downs and, and the hurdles thrown at you. And so when you have choice and you have communities that are strong and resilient, um, you know, I, I hope that Edmonton becomes a, a beacon of that and to show how a North American city can can be that strong and resilient to whatever is coming at it from a, a macroeconomic uh, perspective. Set that that example and then teach that example across North America. I don't want to see hollowed out downtown cores or missing middles and all of the stuff that we're talking about. And it all comes from lack of choices. The number of times I heard families feeling like they needed to be pushed out to the outskirts of the city because there was no choice for them. Um, And that came from affordability. It came from what a family needed uh, for for their kids' uh, growth. So. I think if Edmonton can achieve that and do that in 20 years, it's really set uh, a bar for other cities in North America.
1: Well, I, uh, the three of you have been on the episodes before, so you all know how we end the episodes. We always end by asking you what a call to action is, and you can't use the same one that you used before. So uh, You can either do one collectively or we can go one by one, however you want to do it.
3: Here's what I want to say, and I'm not sure if this is a call to action exactly, and it might be more related to the last question, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think that what I'd really like to see, and maybe this is a call to action as well, is I think we all have the tendency still um, to sit in a really cool development in Edmonton and they're, you know, we have, we have them. Uh, this is a great example of one. And to think to ourselves, Oh, I feel like I'm not in Edmonton. And so my dream is in 10, 20 years, we're sitting in a really cool development like this one. And we're like, Oh, I feel like I'm in Edmonton. Like this is it. Like this is what Edmonton feels like. So that's my call to action. Maybe would be to say, okay, next time you're in a cool Edmonton space, Mm -hmm. think about that. Be like, do I feel like I'm in Edmonton? Yeah,
2: I'm in Edmonton. That's all. Um, my call to action would be, you know, whoever's listening, whatever their level of engagement with uh, is with currently with IDEA is to think about how they want to grow that engagement. So this is the first time listening, well, then, you know, get on the newsletter list, attend an event. If it's a board member, it's like, well, what's your next level as a board member and, or in the governance or, you know, what is your role out in the community? How are you going to join this mission or this movement and just ratchet it up another notch? And so it's a call to action to everyone listening to think about that. Just stretch yourself a little bit more and think about how you can add to this. Because the rewards are tenfold. When you're sitting, like, I'm not going to get into the, the, the struggles and the pain to build something that I, you know, I'm sitting here in, in a development that I started in 2015 and to sit here today and reap the rewards of it. There's no amount of money or, or there's no value to put to that. It's, it's a satisfaction that will propel me forward for all the future work that I do and whatever that looks like. So the rewards of building community, the rewards of, of building a tangible result out of all your efforts are exponential. And so I call everybody to rise up and, and take that challenge.
4: I think if you love these types of spaces, you need to find a way to support those types of spaces. Um, and so it could be getting involved with the idea. It could be calling your counselor and sending a positive email uh, about an upcoming project or about the type of city that you wanna see. It could be supporting a development in your community uh, or in a community that you wanna be a part of, but people's voices make a difference. People's resources and time make a huge difference idea is built off of amazing volunteers uh, when I left we had 190 member but 50 really active volunteers that made everything possible and so I got to be the lucky face of it all but it only was possible because people put their time and their resources into what they wanted to see so my call to action is go tell people go put your time and resources into what you want to see it creates tenfold of benefits uh, and the communities that you want to live in and you want to be a part of.
1: Nice. Well, thanks for spending the last two hours with us. This is our inaugural video episode. There's a plate of pastries back there that I want to eat, so I want to say thank you for the last two hours. And, uh, yeah, we'll see, you, we'll see you at the 20th anniversary.
4: Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. See you at the gala. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So that was a really great episode. I don't think we really have too much to add here. Um, We're gonna let that episode stand for itself, but we do wanna plug an upcoming event as part of our 10 year anniversary celebration. So that's why we're all here. It's why we made this special episode. Um, But we have the IDEA 10 year anniversary gala coming up on June 23rd. Um, There's gonna be food, entertainment, and most importantly, an opportunity to mix and mingle with industry members, community members, IDEA members, and of course the general public.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about this event, Ryan. And um, I'll give everyone the details right here of where it's happening. It's at the Royal Glenora Club and it's a newly renovated space. Um, Really, really beautiful. And it goes from 6 p.m. to late. And our call to action for you on this episode is that tickets will be on sale till June 19th. So get them before then.
1: And thanks for watching.